detail whenever I'm visiting a church. By the time I'm up here, I feel so blessed that I feel like coming up and saying prayer and saying, remember what you've heard so far. The music, um, the children's story, happy Sabbath. It is just a blessing to, to be with you and, and with Jesus today. As we get started, um, I have to put in a shameless plug. You'll see a flyer um, for Better Life. As was mentioned earlier, I'm the director at Better Life Television, and we are having our very first fall gala uh, this coming week. And everybody is invited with the caveat that if you plan to come, we really need you to call so we can be prepared for you. So if you already know about Better Life, we would love to see you there. Um, and bring a friend who, you would, who you'd like to introduce to the ministry. And we're just going to have a really nice time. Uh, my director of operations, Denise, is wonderful at the decorating, at the meal. If you like um, pasta in a way that I can't make it, you'll enjoy that, and you'll also be able to see and tour our facilities. So I hope, I hope you will come. Uh, catch me if you want some more information or give us a call. So, I am, I'm just very pleased to have been invited to join you today. My understanding, and if you have not heard all of the messages, are they all available online? So this is part five in a series on the Sabbath. And it's been a journey. It's always a little bit of an, an adventure when I begin to prepare for a message because invariably, and it happened again this time, by the time I get to Friday, something happens. Something that has me kind of review and look at everything from a little bit different angle, and that happened fairly late last night. So we're going to be taking a little bit of a journey together on that. The title that I chose is a reflection of how Jesus wants to work through us, how we are the ones that he will use to often reach others. Sometimes the very first introduction somebody will have with Jesus Christ will be through one of his people. I don't know about you, but that can be a little intimidating to me to think that I might be responsible for that first impression. Is that worrisome to anybody else? Because I, I know who I am. And when I think about the Sabbath, especially working, I kind of reflect a little bit on what, what was Sabbath like growing up. And, you know, were you one of those children, perhaps, that you could wade on the Sabbath? But don't swim. Um, you can go for a hike, but don't sweat too much. What kind of baggage have you brought with you when you think of the Sabbath? based on your growing up. I also reflect on, especially now, as director of Better Life, I find myself working on the Sabbath at times. And that's something I've really had to wrestle with. You know, this morning, on my way here, I got a text from my mom. My mom started watching Better Life a few months ago. She lives back in Alabama. So she's now also known as my early warning system where if something happens on Better Life, I get that text at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning that Better Life is down. And wouldn't you know, Microsoft pushed some emergency updates and our signal was down. 
And so on my work, on my way to here, I found myself working. And I had to weigh, well, is what I'm doing okay? Because that's a question, do you ever find yourself asking that question? Is what I'm faced with right now, does that fit with what my view is on the Sabbath or anything else? Does my hesitancy to work on the Sabbath, does that outweigh does that outweigh the people that might be getting a blessing if that signal were up? What if I have to drive up to the mountain? And I've had to do that some Sabbath afternoons. Am I breaking the Sabbath? What if you have a pastor who decides, you know, what I'm doing tomorrow, that's work. Are we grateful that we have pastors that work on the Sabbath? So what is work? So we're going to dive into that a little bit, and I'm going to try to tie it all up, and we'll just see where we go together. But let's start with prayer. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for this book, this book of real life examples that you've given us that can give us a clear picture of who you are and what you intended in giving us the Sabbath. We've come up with all these reasons why we do things and don't do things, and I just pray, Lord, that as we talk about this today, that as we reflect upon this in the future, that we look less at ourselves and our culture and more at you, more at you and how you approach these issues, because, Lord, you are a rule breaker. The people that gave you the hardest time when you were here were Sabbath keepers. And that is mind-blowing to me. So thank you for these opportunities you've given us to reflect on you, to do some studying, to see what has been written that's inspired by you, and help us to come away from this a little bit clearer, with a clearer picture of who you are and how you will work through us if we will just open that door for you. Amen. So we're going to take a little journey today. I have my Bible here. I have some notes here. Um, and hopefully everything will work out. So get your Bibles ready because there is a lot to be said about the Sabbath. We're going to start in Matthew. Matthew chapter 12. And we're going to read. This was our scripture reading today. Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. And this is, we'll just kind of frame this up. We have just had an incident where Jesus had gotten a little bit of grief because his disciples were harvesting on the Sabbath, right? They were going through the fields. They were hungry. They were getting into the grain. And now he's gone from this. He's kind of gone out of what it would be, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Now he's in the synagogue. And it says, going on from that place, and this was out on the road, Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, the Pharisees asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So 
that was considered work. Him helping somebody else was considered work. I'm going to flash over a second. We're going to go to a different book. We're going to go to Mark chapter 2. Just so we can turn a few pages instead of just looking up. So Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 23 through 26. And this is flashing back to that story that happened right ahead of this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered them, he said, have you, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his uh, companions. So this is where I got thrown a little bit for a loop last night. Uh, Tanya is a voracious reader, and she, you're going to know some of these titles too, she brought me a couple of books. And one of them, I don't see, is, is um, George here, George Knight? Not today. All right. Well, when you see him next time, I suggest you ask him where you can get a copy of this. It's called The Truth, The Whole Truth, and Nothing But the Truth. And let's see, he wrote this back in 2012. And so she gave me this. She also gave me a book by Elizabeth Talbot, I Will Give You Rest. Two really interesting resources that had me kind of take a little bit of a left turn on my message. So enjoy the journey with me, if you will. So in George's book, he has a chapter called Time for Life's Most Important Things. And he includes this paragraph that I found very relevant to this topic says, and this is talking about why, why do we have the Sabbath? What is the purpose of the Sabbath? And he says, God knew that sinful humans would mess up time just as they have every other aspect of their lives. As a result, he's provided us with a weekly timeout <laughs> so that we can slow down and get perspective on the meaning of life and build a healthier life. He called this time out Sabbath. So we're going to go back to Mark here, and we're going to finish that story. And in verse 27, this is after the episode with the grain, he says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. So if the Sabbath is for us, if it's, if it's to fulfill our needs, what are those needs? What are some of the needs that we have that the Sabbath fulfills? And I believe it varies. It varies for each of us individually. It varies for us depending on what we've dealt with perhaps that week. Think if you're a workaholic. What would your life be like if you did not have a Sabbath? Would you ever stop? Would that be healthy? Are you ever exhausted at the end of the week? Is anybody here tired today? Yeah, a couple of you, me too. 
the Sabbath fulfills that need for rest. But rest is more, it's more than just sleep. I mean, there are times when it is really hard to get out of bed. You can ask Tanya, am I sometimes a little lethargic getting out of bed Sabbath morning? She is nodding right now if you don't see that. Rest is so important. But rest isn't just sleep, it's a recharge. And what we need recharge, sometimes it is just recharging our bodies after a hard, hard week. Other times, it's recharging our spiritual battery, right? That's why we're together today. We're here because we want to come together. It's a beautiful time. I love this part of our services. I really love Sabbath school where we get to dialogue together, where we get to learn and fellowship from one another. I love after church, where maybe we're going over to somebody's home, where we're having a fellowship dinner, and we get to interact together. We get to learn from each other. We get to sympathize. We get to support. We get to all these, do all of these wonderful things that comes out of Sabbath rest. Social needs. I don't know if that resonates for, for any of you, but the first, how many years of our lives, Tanya? I was a stay-at-home dad when our children were little. I worked from home. Tanya had a good job as a teacher, and we desperately, with two and then three boys, we needed that insurance. And I had just graduated from school, and I, I was getting into the tech field, and it was right when Boeing had laid off thousands and thousands of people up in the Puget Sound area. I, I recall it was like 30,000 people, engineers, high-tech people. And I went to a good school. I was at, I graduated from the University of Washington. In that first year, not a single one of us in my class had a job. And we had decided, we were on the five-year five plan, and Tanya is a, she's a scheduler. She keeps me on track. It's very important. And we had decided after five years, this is really when we would like to start a family. And we prayed about it, and we started. And I found myself for some years there working from home. It was not what I had expected at all. There was not a lot of sleep, but one thing I really missed was social. So for me, Sabbath became this beautiful day where I could go adult. Does anybody hear what I'm saying here? I could talk to adults. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this sense of relief right now because I remember how that felt to be around other people. One of my favorite things, and some of you may have heard me say this, is being around other people's kids, especially when they misbehaved. Because all of a sudden, my kids felt normal. Because I was just stuck in this little box where it was just me and, and the kids, and then Tanya would come home, and it, it was really hard. I, I, please don't get me wrong. I am grateful for those times. I, I feel like I had an opportunity to spend time with my boys that few fathers get to have. It was a blessing, but it was hard. Sabbath gives us this grace, this grace of healing if we make space for that blessing. And the Sabbath gives us that opportunity to just relax, 
relax in God's grace and his blessing. A few years ago, just a few years ago, I attended Milo Academy. In fact, that's where Tanya and I met. And Academy actually provides some really good examples for me of the value of the Sabbath day. We'd get to the weekend, and you have to understand, and maybe you do, that keeping kids busy in high school is a matter of survival for the staff. So you are busy as a kid. So we would get to the, get to the weekend, and man, we would just be exhausted sometimes. So, you know, we'd go to church, and then some of us would just crash. Other times, you'd find us up in the mountains or down at the river. We were getting our, our needs met in varied ways, just like we do now through the different needs that, that the Sabbath addresses. I think about home leagues, and Tanya still talks about it sometimes, where the kids get home. Do any of you have kids that, if you weren't in high school, do you have kids that come home and they just kind of are dead for the first day or so of the weekend? Our kids, I have one son that's at um, Walla Walla University his first year. Another son's at Upper Columbia Academy his junior year. Their home leaves start on a Wednesday, and they are kind of dead to the world that first day or two, but then as they progress, then those other needs, I mean, this one's kind of taken care of, and then they get some good food, because, you know, academy food can be academy food. And then the other needs start to rise up. So you get the social, you have all of these needs that the Lord has provided a gift for. So for, for us in high school and for our kids now, Sabbath kind of like a respite. So, how do things go sideways? How did the Sabbath become to be a burden? How is it that the Sabbath, between Sabbath keepers, the Pharisees, and Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath, how did that become a conflict? Pharisees actually took his day and used it against him. Let's look at Matthew 11, verse 30. And I want, I want you to really be aware of this contrast here. Here's what Jesus says. In fact, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to start on verse 28. So, chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, if you who are weary and burdened, let me start over. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's contrast that with Matthew 23, verse 4. So my version, this is actually the same, this is the version from your pew. This, chapter 23, has the heading, A Warning Against Hypocrisy. So if we look at verse 4 of chapter 23, talking of about the Pharisees, and I'm going to back up again, I'm going to back up to uh, verse 3. So you must be careful, 
to do everything they tell you, but do not, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. And here's the highlight, verse 4. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So here we have Jesus. I will make your burden what? Light. And here's the Pharisees. I will make your burden heavy, onerous, painful, a load, complete opposite. And here the Pharisees had turned the Sabbath day and made it into a burden. Mr. Knight says in his book that the Jews of Christ's days had, had specified 39 categories of work forbidden on the Sabbath. 39 categories and had over 1,500 rules. I had it pretty easy. There were some rules that I struggled with growing up. I didn't have that many rules. They viewed the day of rest as if God first had a Sabbath and then created people to keep it. A little backward, isn't it? God had a group of Sabbath slaves and he was watching to make sure they kept all the rules. Is that what Jesus teaches us? No. To Jesus, in the way he tried to explain, I'm so glad that he did this. I'm so glad that he sent, spent so much time on the Sabbath because he wanted to flip that and remind us that no, Sabbath is a symbol of rest in me. I want to turn to John um, chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 13 through 16 and then also verse 25. So John chapter 9, 13 through 16 says, Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? This is after he's healed a blind man. So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that were opened. And let's, let's go down to verse 25. One of my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He replies, he's, he's been asked this question again, and he replies, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. In Elizabeth's book, I Will Give You Rest, the eternal gospel for the weary soul, she gives several, several types of rest that are provided through Jesus. She gives restful assurance the assurance of knowing that God is in control of the future. Does that ease your mind? It eases my mind. Restful provision. Think of the manna, how God provides for us. Restful identity. Remember that when God gave the Ten Commandments, he was talking to people that had been slaves for over 400 years. They didn't remember who they were. They'd been abused. He re was reminding them 
that they were children of the Creator and showing them freedom through that. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, near the beginning of the Bible. I'm going to read verse 6, and then I'm going to follow with verses 12 through 15. So Deuteronomy 5, verse 6 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So he's reminding them who he is. And then in 12 through 15, where he's talking about the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Other versions say remember, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is, the sa- is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant nor your ox nor your donkey or any of your animals nor any foreigners residing in your towns so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. And finishing up with verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to to observe the Sabbath day. Remember, remember who I am. Remember what I've done for you and remember what, who you are and that you have been redeemed from slavery. She gives one other. She calls it restful completion. And she describes that as resting in knowing what Jesus accomplished on the cross. How many of you have held a baby in your arms? Okay, you know, you know the settling down stage, right? I, my, my preference was what I would call the football hold. Right, just kind of hold them in your arm. You had complete control, and you would just, at some point, you would feel that relaxation. Do you, can you picture that? Where all of a sudden, just utter relaxation. That, that is what I picture. That's how I picture complete rest. Not worrying about any, anything else, anybody else. What's happened? What's going to happen? Just resting in that moment. And I picture Jesus holding each of us that same way. It's such a, it's a mind-blowing thing because we're, a lot of us here are adults now and we're the ones that are responsible for everything and knowing that we can just let all that go, let all that go and be held by Jesus Christ. It's amazing. So what does this have to do with work? Work in Jesus Christ is restful. Work in Jesus Christ, this is where I feel like a lot of us get it mixed up, where I get it mixed up. Work in Jesus Christ is not focused on me. It's focused on others. Everything Jesus Christ did was focusing on other people. If you need help, I'm going to help you because that's who I am. Jesus is love. What does love do? It loves, it helps other people. And what a beautiful promise he's given us that he he doesn't need me at all. But he includes me in that equation. He will love other people through me. 
if I will just step out of the way. When we serve ourselves, when ourselves become the focus, we lose our focus on the Sabbath. We step outside of God's blessing. We have to remember that the Sabbath was made by God for us. That means God. God is the center. The Sabbath isn't the center. God is the center. Everything comes out of that. So what does it mean? If I want to be a blessing to someone else, that should be our prayer. Lord, use me. Use me, however that looks. Use me to be a blessing to somebody else today. I could be on my, ch on my way to church and I see somebody on the side of the road with a flat tire. Should I be more worried about my clothes? Should I be more worried about getting to church on time? Or should I perhaps reflect on what would Jesus do? We've all heard that. What would Jesus do? I believe my Jesus would be down on his knees helping that person. Just like was said in the children's story, and thank you for that. I'm not sure where you are. I was, there you are back there. He's not going to say, happy Sabbath, and I'll come back to you, you know, after sundown. If your children are hurt, I remember we were, we were up north at a, I'm trying to think, um, Progress. And um, Pastor Brackett, his child got hurt a couple years ago while we were there. Did he wait? Or did he take his child to the, to the hospital right then? God cares about us. Love, love is what it does. So Lord, this is my prayer, and I hope this is all of our prayer. Lord, you love me. You never, ever, ever stop working on me and on my heart. Please work through me and show me. Show me how I can work for you. Work is not a bad word. I believe that God will never stop working. And he's allowed us, he's invited us into a relationship with him that allows him to work through us. The key, again, is that everything we do in his name needs to be focused on other people and not on ourselves. So please remember that and remember the blessing that is given to us when we let go of ourselves and just choose to be his. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank, <laughs> thank you for your grace and your patience for your patience for all those times where I've made it about me, where I've gotten so focused on the rules of why I should or shouldn't do this or that and less focused on you. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to, to tell others about you, to use the experiences we have, the good experiences, the bad experience. It doesn't matter. There's still experiences that if we allow them to will lead us to you. And other people can see that journey and ask, what can I do to know that man, Jesus, the same way? Thank you for that blessing. Thank you for that invitation. Thank you that it's open to all, even me. And thank you for this time we have to come together in your name to 
to hug one another, to support one another, to listen, to learn, to rest in you together.